Welcome to the Church at Rocky Peaks Downloadable Messages and Podcast. This week we continue this seven-part series entitled The Power of Perspective, Life Principles from the Book of Proverbs. And this week's message is brought to us by our own lead pastor, Mike Yearly, and it's entitled The Path to Wisdom. Well, it's good to be back with you. Uh, we're continuing this series today that we started last week, The Power of Perspective, which is, has to do with life principles from the book of Proverbs. And if you were here last week, you know, we kicked off this series by looking at the first few verses of Proverbs, um, but we also looked at Solomon's two steps to success, kind of you stand back and say, how do you be successful in life? And he says, well, you can boil it down in just a couple steps. Number one is you need to get wisdom. You need to make it your top priority in life to become a wise person, because after all, if you become a wise person, <clears throat> you'll make good decisions and the rest of life will work out. Uh, and then he said, secondly, you need to get discipline. Because it's not enough to kind of know what to do, you have to have the strength to make the right choices. Remember? So we're going to get wisdom, we're going to get discipline. And I promised you last week that we would come back this week and we would talk about, well, how do you do that? How do you become a wise person? How do you get wisdom? And so that's our topic today. And we're going to be using a couple of metaphors uh, in this message. One metaphor is a metaphor of a journey. If you compare wisdom to our destination, we want to become, get to wisdom, then, then um, we're going to talk to you about the path to wisdom or the road to wisdom and the steps that we need to take to get there. But as I was thinking about this week, I was thinking, you know, wisdom, um, wisdom is almost like a recipe. It's not just the one thing you do. That as you study the book of Proverbs, what, what Solomon's going to tell us is there's not like one thing you need to do to get wisdom. It's more like there's like four things you need to do. And they all combine, just like if you're baking a cake. You know, it's not like, hey, I got three out of four. That's good, you know. Three out of four uh, ingredients, you know. Well, that should be good. Like, get 75%, I'm sure it be great, you know. And you're like, well, no, no, no. You got to have them all the ingredients. And wisdom is much the same way. It's, it's not that we can just focus on one of these ingredients. We need all four because they interact and to help our lives rise, so to speak. And so what I'd like you to do as we go through today and talk about these four ingredients, I'd like you to use it sort of as a checklist for your own life. Because I think for most of us, there'll be two, like maybe one or two, we go, yeah, I, I do that really well. And that's kind of what most of my wisdom comes from those two ingredients. But there's going to be some other areas like, oh, that one I don't do so well. And our cake, and, you know, our wisdom's never going to rise without all four, okay? So just use this as a checklist. Let's jump in. There in your note sheet, we've got a section called The Road to Wisdom, Solomon's Recipe for Success. So we're mixing our metaphors. We're talking about the steps. We're talking about the ingredients. But uh, here they are, four key ingredients, four key steps. Number one. The first thing that uh, Solomon says we have to do if we want to be a wise person is we have to take God seriously. Now, this is not how Solomon says it. This is how Mike says it, okay? The way Solomon says it is that we need to fear God, all right? That, that's Solomon's way of saying taking God seriously. And, and if you're new at this whole thing, you've not yet made a commitment to Christ or uh, uh, maybe you're a brand new Christian, it's like fearing God, oh, that's what I wanted to get away from, you know? And it's like, that doesn't sound like very good. But, but really, fearing God is a way that Solomon talks about taking God seriously. And I want to show you this. He says it's the first step. If you want to be a wise person, step number one, ingredient number one, is to fear God. In fact, he says, basically says, if you don't want to take step number one, then forget it. You know, it's like you're just not going to get there. This is like, this is foundational. So let's turn to a Proverbs chapter one. I hope you have your Bibles. We're going to use them a lot today. Proverbs chapter 1 in verse 7. Remember last week we started with the first five or six verses and we're coming back to the, the last verse of the prologue or the preface to Proverbs. And let's see what he says about this. He says in verse 7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. 
Now, the words wisdom and knowledge are often used interchangeably, as we'll see even today in the book of Proverbs. Sometimes people say, oh, no, wisdom is this and knowledge is that. And it's not. In the book of Proverbs, they're really all like synonyms. They just really use the same way. We'll see that. But he says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And then he says, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. See how wisdom and knowledge, they're, they're, they're like well, the two sides of the same coin. He says, he says uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom. So he says there's two kinds of people in life. There's a kind of person in life who fears the Lord. They're the wise person, and that's the first step towards becoming a wise person. There's a kind of person who blows God off, who says, nah, I don't think so. I'm going to do it my own way. And uh, they despise wisdom. They despise discipline. And he says those are what we're going to call the fools throughout the book of Proverbs. So the book of Proverbs is, you know, wise people and fools in, in Proverbs. And so he says what distinguishes the wise person from the fool is the fear of the Lord. This is the, the line of demarcation. You decide whether you're wiser or, or foolish in the book of Proverbs by the fear of the Lord. Let's look at another one. Um, go to Proverbs chapter 9. Just in case we miss it, he's going to come back to this in chapter 9, verse 10. And he says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Remember, before he said knowledge, remember I said they're really the same thing. So he says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. This is first step. You want to be a wise person, First step is to fear the Lord. Now, the question is, what does it mean to fear the Lord? Let me start with what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean to be afraid of God, like he's out to get you, you know, like he's an abusive parent. You never know when he's going to go off, you know. It's like, why'd you do that? I don't know, something about you just ticks me off, you know. He's not like that, you know. And so it doesn't have to do with being afraid of God in the sense like he's real unpredictable, you can't. What it has to do really is a person develops a fear of the Lord when they come to a point in their life where they realize and they really get it that God is bigger, he's smarter, he's faster than we'll ever be. He, he, just, he just knows way more. And that only a fool would try to do life differently than the way God would tell him to do life because it's like, well, he's so much smarter than you are. Who do you think you are to figure this out better than him? You see what I'm saying? So it's like the fear of the Lord, that's why I'm, I'm using the, my colloquial way of saying it is that to fear the Lord means to take God seriously. It comes to a point in our life where we say, okay, you're God, I'm not, and I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to listen when it makes sense. I'm going to listen when it doesn't make sense. I'm going to do life your way. And you can see why that's the very first step to wisdom. Because if we don't, every time we come to an intersection in life where the fork on the road goes two ways and it it looks to us like it's best to go to the left and God says go to the right, we're going to go to the left. And we're never going to get wise, right? Okay, so let's do a little study now. We're going to go through the book of Proverbs real quickly and look at several verses that help us to understand what this phrase of fear of the Lord is and why it's so important. So let's uh, go to chapter 3, Proverbs 3 and verse 5. We're just going to rifle through some verses here quickly. Chapter 3 and verse 5 <clears throat> says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In other words, don't try to figure out life on your own. Trust what God says. He says, In, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Okay, you're the Lord. I'm submitting to you. And he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. And this will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. You see that? So to fear the Lord, one thing Proverbs says about fearing the Lord is it has to do with not leaning to our own wisdom. It has to do with not thinking we know better. It comes to a point where you think, you know what? 
I've done life that way. I tried it on my own. I messed it up. You know, I need to, to listen to what God's saying. So that's, that's the first verse on that. Let's go to the next one. Proverbs 8.13. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. So here's another component of what it means to fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord says, hey, no, I don't want to do what's evil. I want to do what God says. I want to do the right thing. And so to fear the Lord is not leaning on our own understanding. It's doing the right thing in life. Let's go to another one. Next one is Proverbs 14.27. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life turning a man from the snares of death. See, I don't know, some of you were here last April when uh, I first came and I did that 11 Laws to Live By series. Law number one was the law of life. That God's word is a path to life. That God's word is not restrictive, it's protective. Remember that? We talked about that? Well, that's what this is saying here. The fear of the Lord, is, it points out the way to go in life and it leads to life. So the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. If once we come to the place where God's smarter than we are and we got that down, we're going to follow him whether it makes sense or not. You see, it leads to life. It's a fountain of life. It, it protects us from wrong decisions that lead to death. Let's look at one more. Proverbs twenty four twenty one. Now, there is an element of fear in this fear of the Lord. You know, sometimes people say, well, the fear of the Lord doesn't, ever, doesn't mean fear at all. It does. There is a sense. It's almost like in a healthy family. Like when my kids were growing up, um, they knew I loved them. They knew I'd die for them. I'd do anything for my kids. They knew I was right there. Dad loved my, uh, my kids. They didn't fear that I was like just going to go off for no reason. But they also knew, don't mess with Dad. Right? They knew that like when I said, this is the way it is, this is the way it is. And if you do it a different way, there's going to be a price to pay for that. And you're not going to be happy. Right? And so in a healthy family, that's the way it works, is that you're not afraid your dad's going to like haul off and hit you or whatever, but you also know don't mess with dad when he says there's a rule. And, and God is our father, right? And so there's a very sense of healthy fear of don't mess with God. When he says don't do this, you're accountable to me. He means it, you know? And so in, in chapter 24 and verse 21, Solomon says to his son, he says, he says, son, I've got a hot tip for you. Fear the Lord and the king. <laughs> There's two people in life you need to be real careful not to get on the wrong side of. One is God, the other is the king. In our case, it's the IRS. <laughs> Fear the Lord and the king, my son, and do not join with the rebellious. Here's why. For those two, the Lord or the king, those two will send sudden destruction upon them, and who, who knows what calamities they can bring. Don't mess with God, all right? So there's an element of, of, in the fear of the Lord of don't mess with God. You know, we're, we're accountable. And so, so let's uh, kind of uh, sum, that, sum that up then. So, there's, uh, so the fear of the Lord has to do with uh, not leaning on our own wisdom. We come to the place where we go, God, you know better. I'm going to trust you. You're smarter than I am. You know? it, it has to do with the place we're going to trust that God's going to lead us in the path of life. It means turning away from evil. And it has to do with, okay, we're responsible. We're accountable. Now, here's what I want you to catch. That Solomon says... If you want to be a wise person, this is the first decision you have to make in life. Whether you're going to run your life, what makes sense to you, or you're not. So you ask, let me ask you a question. Do you fear the Lord? Now, now here's, here's how you can figure this out. You say, Mike, I don't know. Do I fear the Lord? Let me tell you, I can just lay it out and bring it really simple. There's a real simple test as to whether you fear the Lord. And the, here's, the, here's the test. Do you obey what he tells you when it causes pain in your life or when it doesn't make any sense to you. That's the moment of truth where you find out whether you have the fear of the Lord. See, if, if we do what God says when, only when it makes sense to us, if we do what God says only when we like it, 
We have, we have no clue whether we're doing the fear of the Lord. The only way you can really figure out whether you have the fear of the Lord in your life is when God says, go left, and going left is going to cause pain or doesn't make any sense to you. And that's where we find out. And what you'll find is that wise people are people who have settled that decision. And when it comes, when it, you know, hey, this doesn't make sense. This is going to be painful, but I trust you, God. You're smarter. I know you love me. You're looking out for my best interest. It's hard. It's going to be a step of faith, but I'm going to follow you because I fear you. I, I understand who you are, and I understand who I am. Let me get real practical here. Let me just run through, uh, like, some examples, okay? And just do a little inventory of your life. Um, so, do you tell the truth even when it costs you? Here's one. Do you keep your promises even when the price tag has gone up from the time you made them? Here's one. Do you stay faithful to your spouse when everything within you wants to cheat? Here's one. You're single. Um, Do you refuse to date non-followers of Jesus even when there are no good prospects in sight? Here's one. Financially, do you give generously to God's kingdom even when you don't understand how you're ever going to get ahead? Here's one. Do you hold your kids accountable in discipline, as Proverbs says, even when they hate you for it? Here's one. Um, Do you flee sexual immorality even when it feels so right? Here's one that hits me this. Do we forgive the person who hurt us even when everything within us wants to strike back? How about this? Do you stay in a tough marriage even when you feel unfulfilled? You see the fear of the Lord? See, that's where the fear of the Lord kicks in. The fear of the Lord kicks in at those times in life where we really want to go left and God says go right. And it's, it's, it, that's when it kicks in and we find out where they fear the Lord. And there's a lot of people who never grow in wisdom because they never get this first step down. And they go through life and every time there's a tough decision, they go their way instead of God's way and then they just can't understand like why life never works out to me. I read my Bible, I go to church, I do... Yeah, but when the rubber meets the road... When life is in the balance, you make the wrong decision. You still think you know better than God. And as long as we think we can run our lives better than God, guess what? It's going to be a bumpy road, right? So that's number one. So Psalms, that's what all starts. The first step to be a wise person is we come to think God's smarter than we are. That's pretty much it, all right? Number two goes like this. Seek instruction with intensity, one of the things that Solomon's going to say to us is if you want to get, become a wise person, you're going to have to work at it. It's not just going to kind of, now I lay me down to sleep, make me a wise person, amen. You know, it's like you wake up a wise person. It's a, it doesn't work that way. Solomon's going to say, if you want to be a wise person, you're going to have to go after this just like anything else in life. Yeah, you want to be successful in any other area of life, you're going to have to go after it, right? Well, wisdom's the same way. There's no like wisdom pill, you know? It's like you, you, you're going to you're gonna have to seek after instruction and you're going to have to seek it with intensity. Now, in the book of Proverbs, he's going to say there's, there's, we need to seek wisdom and instruction from God's word. We also need to seek it from wise people, okay? So point number two, we're going to focus on God's word. Point number three, we'll come back and talk about wise people. But here, what you'll see as you study Solomon's life is one of the keys to his success in life is that God came to him multiple times and said, here is the key to your success. Here's the key to becoming a wise person. Is that Solomon, you need to, to really know what my word says. 
And, and not just have it on the shelf. I mean, you need to know what it says and let it inform your decisions. You need to seek instruction and you need to seek it with intensity. Well, let's look at this. Take your Bibles. Let's turn back to 1 Kings chapter 2. So to the left in your Bibles from Proverbs, 1 Kings chapter 2. Okay, now this is, David's about to die. And so he's on his deathbed. He calls Solomon in. And he's going to give him some final kind of father-son advice on being a king. And he says, when the time, verse, chapter 2, verse 1, when the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to Solomon, his son. He said, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. That's the way they used to say it. And um, he said, so be strong and show yourself a man and observe what the Lord your God requires. So here's, here's what you need to do. You need to walk in his ways. You need to keep his decrees and commands his laws and his requirements, all that's written in the law of Moses. And um, so that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go. You see that? He said, okay, Solomon, you're about to become king. Best piece of advice I can get is keep your Bible, on, keep your Bible near your bedside and read that thing because this is going to be the key to your ticket, to success as you, as you go to get. It's going to give you the wisdom that you need to know how to do this. Now, the interesting thing is twice that we know of, at least, and other times, not only did, you know, David told Solomon that, but God himself personally shows up to deliver that message. Um, one time, we looked at last week, remember when Solomon, God comes to Solomon and says, whatever you want, just ask me for whatever you want and I'll give it to you. At the end of that, let's go to chapter 3, 1 Kings 3. Here's what God says at the end of that dream, when he's starting out to be king. Chapter 3 and, and verse uh, 14, God's speaking to to, uh, to uh, Solomon in the dream. He says, if you walk in my ways and if you obey my statutes and commands as David your father did, then I'll give you a long life. And so he says, so God shows up personally to deliver the same message that David had delivered to him. Solomon, key to your success. You're going to be a wise person. You're going to have to be in the book. You're going to have to know what it says. It's your responsibility. God says, I want to bless you, but it's your responsibility to know what the book says. This is your job. You know, and if you, if you get away, if you stray from the book, it, it, all bets are off, okay? Now, one more time. Go to chapter 9, 1 Kings 9. Later on in, Samuel, in Saul's life, he builds the temple. And after this huge, amazing temple is built, he asks God to show up. And says, God, would you just always show up at the temple and meet with your people here and just bless this place with your presence? And so God's answering him. In verse 4, 9, 4, look what God says. Here's the conditions. He says, as for you, Solomon, if you walk before me in integrity of heart and an uprightness as David your father did, and you do all I command and observe my decrees and my laws. See that? Here it is again. He says, if you do that, I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever. Skip to verse 6. But if you or your sons, you turn away from me and you do not observe the commands and the decrees that I've given you, so you don't pay attention to my word. And you go off and you serve other gods and you worship them. Then I will cut off Israel from the land that I've given them. And I'll reject this temple you just built. Israel will become a byword and an object of ridicule for the people. Well, among all the peoples, see? So, so God multiple times comes to Solomon and says, Solomon, if you want to be successful, if you want to gain wisdom, you have to know the book. I've given you the path to wisdom. You've got to know it. It's your job, your responsibility. I can't bless you if you don't know it and do it. That's your job. Yeah, I was thinking about this week. When Lynn and I uh, moved up here to see me, you know, got our house and everything, and 
course, we had to, you know, furnish it and some furniture and stuff like that. And we're at Costco one day, which is a dangerous place to go, isn't it? It's just, um, just going with $100 bills. You're going to need them, you know? It's like, everything's $100. It's an amazing deal, but uh, it saves so much money, you know, spending so much money. But um, anyway, so we go in and... And Lynn, when we had moved, she, Lynn has, she has certain shows she loves. You know, like the Wrestling for, Federation and... <laughs> no, it's not really. But anyway, um, she has these certain shows that she likes every week. And, and she, she loves to tape them because she likes to rewatch them and so on like that. And so we've just got boxes and boxes of the old video, you know, kind of video cassette things. And of course, you know, I'm a typical husband. Can't we, we really need these things? You know, can we like, you know, store them in Africa or something, you know? I, <laughs> And so um, one day we're going through Costco. We see this really cool machine there that you know, plays both VCR and the DVDs. And, and not only that, but it dubs from one to the other. So you could take all your old VCR tapes, stick them in there, put them on a, on a CD, and now you can get rid of the tapes, much less space, plus you can find what the show is much easier. Now you're all wanting to rush out and buy one here in the front row. They're like, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> okay, well, anyway. So we get one, and it's a good one. It's a Panasonic, you know. It's, it's a good one, and I've had good luck with that and stuff. And so we get it home, and it's the most unintuitive machine I've ever uh, experienced. I mean, it's just impossible to figure this thing out. And so we've had, like, we've had this machine for nine months. And when we figured out the dubbing deal, we got that down. But Lynn, you know, she watches the same show every, every week, and so she wants to tape those shows every week. Just kind of put it in once. You know, you program it, so every week couldn't figure that out. We've had it for nine months. And we can't figure out how to use this thing. So I come home one night this weekend. She has this little grin on her face. I said, so what's up? And she says, I've been studying the manual. <laughs> so I haven't figured it out. I figured out a couple things. I haven't figured that out. Next night I came home. She said, I figured it out. She said, the manual wasn't actually that helpful. But I finally, you know, I studied it for two days. I finally figured this thing out. Now I know how to do this. I know how to tape my shows. And, you know, it's just triumph over technology. It was amazing, you know. <laughs> And now we can use this amazing machine that we've got that can do all these things. And I was thinking about that this week and how often, that is this. isn't that a picture of life? That God, here's what it is. God gives us this instruction manual, right? Here's how to do marriage. Here's how to do finances. Here's how to raise kids. Here's how to seek me. Here's that, you know, he gives us an amazing manual. Oh, oh, the whole sex thing, here's the truth. Here's, here's the trick. You know, here's how you do this, this is the sex thing. And he gives us this amazing thing, and, and we kind of leave the thing there on the shelf, and we go through life, we can't figure out our lives. We've got these amazing lives that are ready to happen, and we can't figure out our lives because we've never spent the time to read the manual. Now, the interesting thing was, that manual was tough. And can I tell you something? I know it's church and everything, but sometimes reading God's Word is tough. Have you, have you ever noticed that? It's like, you know, there's no, like, it, it doesn't say at the front, Bible for dummies. You know, it just doesn't say it. It's like, Bible for smart people. You know, it's like, it's not the easiest book to read. And, and here's what I want to tell you. Solomon understands that, and Solomon, when he talks to us about seeking instruction, he says, you're going to need to seek it with intensity, because wisdom doesn't always come easily. In fact, I want you to take your Bible, turn to Proverbs chapter 2. This is a passage that's deeply impacted my life. From the time, honestly, I was a teenager. This, I memorized this chapter when I was a teenager. And it, just so, it was such a, a hope-giving passage to me. Because what it tells us is that wisdom is available to anyone who wants it. You want to be wise? You can be wise. It's up to you. 
But it also tells us that if you want to be wise, you're going to have to work for it. it you're going to have to seek this thing out. It's, you're not going to wake up one day. It's not a verse a day, you know, keeps the stupidity away. It's like you're going to have to go. You're going to, have to, you're going to work at this. So look what he says. Verse 1. He says, my son... He says, if, now that word is very important, if, we're going to come back to that, you might want to underline it, if you accept my words, and if you store up my commands within you, storing up commands, like a squirrel would store up, you know, the, the, the acorns, and you turn your ear to wisdom, and you apply your heart to understanding, and if you call out for insight, okay, so now you're looking for insight, you're going through, it's like you're going through the streets of life going, insight, where are you? So you're calling out. This is an active search. And you cry aloud for understanding. And if you look for it as for silver, now now picture this like it's a mining situation. You're mining for silver or you're panning for gold. That's the picture. And you search for it as for hidden treasure. Verse 5, then. Now underline the word then. We've got a long sentence here. It's an if-then sentence. Right? At the beginning it says, if you do all these things, Verse 5, then you'll, this will happen. Now look what happens. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord. You'll really get that first step. And you'll find the knowledge of God. Now catch this. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Now let me ask you something. No show of hands here. But if I were to ask you and say, hey, do you believe that God gives wisdom? I think most of us who have been Christians for any length of time, all, yes, the Bible says if you ask, God will give you wisdom. But what we often don't understand is he gives wisdom to only one kind of person, and that's the kind of person who seeks it intensely. He does not give wisdom just anyone who says, oh, by the way, God, could you make me wise? There is a process here, and it's much like mining for gold. If you want to be good at anything in life, you have to work at it, and getting wise is the same way. Now, here's where I want to encourage you. I think often, like at the start of a year, we start talking about, we're going to read the Bible this year. So many of you have bought life uh, notebooks and you're trying to read the Bible. But so many times we assume that the moment we sit down to read, it's all going to make sense to us. And we just assume that, I'm, okay, I'm going to do this. And, you know, if by Wednesday we're not wise, we're like, aw, I'm not doing this. This is too hard. I don't get this. What's he talking about here? This is, I don't, see, I don't feel any wiser today. I've been doing this two weeks. I don't see any change in my life. It's like, that would be like a miner going out to pan gold and say, I haven't found any huge nuggets in two weeks. I'm done with this thing. You see? There is a process. And the process is we seek and we cry out. And as we get that manual like Lynn did and finally got serious, I'm two days of my life, I'm figuring out this stupid BCR thing. And, she, and finally came that aha moment where she goes, I get it. And now we can use our VCR. Our DVD, you see? But it, it never would have happened if she said, you know, you, know, you know how I read manuals? Like this. <laughs> no, I don't get it. Wow. You know what? That's how a lot of us read God's Word. Kind of the verse a day thing. And we, kind of, and we just wonder, like, why don't we grow in wisdom? Because we're not working at it very hard. See, so I want to encourage you. If you've been reading and it's like, well, it's okay, I guess, but nothing's jumping out at me, that's normal. That's normal. But as you search and as you seek, it's going to be going to come together and the Holy Spirit's going to begin to click things for you. And all of a sudden, one day, you're going to find that nugget. You go, wow. And there's going to be a little piece of your life that clicks into, into gear, that clicks into place, 
You know how to have wisdom in that area of your life. You get that, you see? And that's how it works. So he says you got to seek instruction um, and you got to do it with in- intensity. Now let's go to number three. The third thing we need to do is we need to get wise counsel. Now, this is a very interesting one to me. I think this is one that for many of us as Christians, we're just not real good at. There's a lot of us that say, okay, first step, we get that. We're going to make God God. We're going to listen to what he says. We're going to do life the way he says. We get that. You got that done. And then we say, okay, now I understand we need to dig into his word, that his word is a source of wisdom. I need to, okay, I get that. So we're going to really study his word. But then we think that's enough. We think just God and me, that's enough. Just God and me can become a wise person. The interesting proverb says, it says, no, it's not enough. Those are two of the four critical components. And you'll get wisdom by just doing those two things, but there's certain things you'll never become wise with unless you add this third ingredient of wise counsel. So, so what is wise counsel? Wise counsel is just, it, it, it could be people in your life. It could be uh, wise friends. It could be counselors. It could be your life group leader. It could be a pastor. But it's always someone that you respect who has success in the area that you're asking for the wisdom. All right? Now, this is not, you know, the guy at the bar who's been married five times giving advice to the guy saying, I'm in trouble with my marriage, you know? Yeah. Well, let me tell you, I know women. I've been married five times. And it's like... So, so we have to find someone we say, yeah, I really respect the way they do this area of my life. And Proverbs says you need to seek those people out and you need to run your life by them sometimes. I'm thinking of going this way. What do you think? I'm thinking about this decision. We're looking at this financial decision. Hey, we're trying to figure out. We got, we got kids. They're adolescents. They've always been great, but now something's going on. And, and so we, we, you know, we're not sure what to do. What did you do? And you see what I'm saying? That Proverbs says this is a critical ingredient in becoming a wise person. Uh, it's not just people that we know, though. I think one of the greatest sources of wisdom are people that we may have never met personally, but through their writings or their teachings or whatever. You see, we, we're so fortunate in this day and age. It's like, you know, when you buy a book, you buy so much of a person's life. This person's like, they've, they've sweated blood over this thing. They spent, and now for 15 bucks, you get their life wisdom on something. You know, and if they're a wise person, you get to sit down with them, have a one-on-one, tell me about life, you know? Well, look what Proverbs says. There in your note sheet, three verses. Proverbs 19, 20. He says, listen to advice and accept instruction, and in the end, you will be wise. See? Look at the next one. Proverbs 15, 22. Plans fail. Many times we have these great plans for our life. Well, they fail because of a lack of counsel. But with many advisors, they succeed. Look at the next one. Proverbs 20, 18. Make plans by seeking advice. If you wage war, obtain um, guidance. And this goes for all areas of life. I remember uh, the uh, church where I previously served, uh, we, the first uh, few years we were there, uh, we were at a Seventh-day Adventist church, and then uh, they kicked us out. And uh, we thought about suing, but then we remember what Paul said about that. And so, um, so we decided to follow Jesus once again. And anyway, so we, we, we ended up buying this, um, this building, and it was an industrial, like an industrial park building, you know, in it had never been used for anything. It was brand new. And so, you know, we had to, like, make it a church. And, and so the guy I was working with, um, the, who was the lead pastor there, um, he just did something that was really smart. You know, none of us had ever built a church before. None of us had ever, you know, especially in an industrial building. And so he did something that was really smart. He, he called around to other churches in the area that had built, built out similar buildings. And he, he, here's the question. He said, first thing, he said, hey, you know, we're doing this. Uh, well, could you tell me the three best things you did? 
Well, now, people always want to tell you their success stories, right? It's like, oh, yeah, they wax eloquent and tell us the three best things you did. Then he asks a great question. What was the worst thing you did or what would you do differently? And that was where the pay dirt came in. Because often the things they said, uh, you know, that they did that, oh, we did this, is like those were kind of obvious things, like you'd figure that out. But the big mistake is the thing they didn't see coming. And so, so we got to learn from them. And here's what they said. They said, well, you know what? The, code, the co- building codes only require hallways to be of certain width. But, you know, once you, get, you have a church, you get that many people coming out of a service. It feels like a cave in there. It feels like a cattle car. You know, it's just like all these people. And they said, you know, so um, we would make our hallways way bigger if we had to. Well, guess what? We built our building huge hallways. It was so much better. Didn't feel like a cave. We, we decided to put uh, lighting, uh, make sure that every room had either natural lighting from outdoor from the windows or put a sky roof so every light had natural light. So because of their experience, by asking them, you see, we learned. You see, this is not just like spiritual stuff. This is all of life. What can you learn? Who can you ask? Who's done it well? And Proverbs says it's just critical. We have to learn how to wise people. So here's a question for you. I've got two questions under this one. Number one is that do you have people in your life that you run your life by from time to time? Do you have people in your life that you could go to and say, wait, we're thinking about doing this. How does it sound? Or do you tend to be a loner and just like, no, we're just going to make our own decisions. And, you know, and often your spouse might go, well, don't you think we should ask somebody? No, no, no. We got it covered. Right? And so Proverbs says, hey, if you want to be wise, there's, there's wisdom and counsel, and so get counsel. But here's another question I have for you, is are you taking advantage of the books and CDs and things that are out there? There's just, we are so fortunate to live in a day and age. We have all this wise counsel at our fingertips at Amazon.com, you know. And, are you ta- and you might say to me, well, Mike, I'm not a reader. Well, that's fine. I'm not asking you to read all the time. Hey, but if you're having trouble with your teenage kids and you don't know what to do, and you haven't read any book on that, I gotta be saying, are you kidding me? You could have advice from all these great wise people. You know, you could have advice from the guy who's had a youth for Christ for a year. You could have advice from a Jim Dobbs or you could have advice from you have this amazing advice here, and all you have to do is sit down and read it. But because you don't like to read, you're gonna figure this out on your own. Do you really want to take the chance on your kids like that? Do you really want to just do trial and error? You know, wouldn't it be better to say, hey, I don't like to read, but shoot, I can read a chapter a night. And I won't enjoy this, but in 12 days it's done. And I'll learn a lot. You see what I mean? That, that Solomon wants us to understand that we have to get outside of ourselves if we want to make wise decisions. Okay, and number, uh, number four. Now you're not going to like this one. So I'm just bracing myself. Number four, listen to your critics. Now, this is the fourth and final ingredient, but this is really important. We've talked about, you know, taking God seriously and seeking instruction from God's word intensely. We've talked about getting wise counsel. So now listen to your critics. This is the hardest one. This is the one where, honestly, we would much rather learn any other way. Isn't there another way to get wise? And the reality is, is that often when we're off base in an area, guess what? God sends someone to tell us. And it, it can be a friend. 
It can be a spouse. It can be a co-worker. It can even be an enemy who comes and says, whether it's, whether it's advice or whether it's correction or whether it's full-on rebuke or whatever, but someone's going to come into our life at times and say, I don't think you're doing life the right way. And guess what? Often, God has sent them. Now, not always. Sometimes people have their own agendas. Uh, sometimes they have their own issues. They're reading into you their, their issues. Sometimes they want to manipulate you for some personal gain. Sometimes it's just, it's not a right or wrong. It's just we agree to disagree on this, you know. So I'm not saying always. I'm just saying that often that one of the greatest sources of growth in our lives are the people around us who are, who are willing to tell us. I, I'll tell you what. Before, uh, when, my, when I was a younger pastor, I did a lot of marriage counseling. It was amazing to me how many times you get a couple in a room and you say, if they would just listen to each other, this would be solved. You know? It's like she knows what's wrong with him and he, you know, he knows what's wrong with her. If they just accept that advice and change, they'd be great. But it's so hard, isn't it? It's something that's so hard. And the closer the relationship, the harder it is. But Solomon says it's one of the things we have to learn how to do. There in your note sheet... Uh, well, well let's, let's look up a couple verses. I'll go to Proverbs 15. Proverbs 15, verse 31. This is a great verse. He who listens to a life-giving rebuke will be at home among the wise. You want to be wise? Okay. Are you ready to listen to a life-giving rebuke? It's not going to be fun, but it's a key ingredient. But look at the next verse. He who ignores discipline despises himself. But whoever heeds correction gains understanding. Tell you what, if we want to be wise, we have to be willing to listen to instruction. Let's look at another one. Proverbs chapter 9, verse uh, 8. Do not rebuke a mocker or he will hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? Can I tell you something? One of the marks of whether we're wise or not is how open we are to rebuke. Think about that. That's what it's saying. How defensive are you? How defensive am I when it comes to rebuke, criticism, correction, taking advice? He says the mark of a wise person is they're open to correction. Now the thing is, you'd think if they're a wise person, they wouldn't need correction. He says, no, no, no. The mark of a wise person is that they're open to correction. Let's look at one, one more. Proverbs 27, 6. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. One of the marks of true friendship is to have someone in your life you've given permission to, to wound you at times. A true friend will wound you at times because they love you. Last, uh, right before Christmas, our family, uh, Lynn and I, and our youngest daughter, Bree, and a friend of hers went up to Julian to a cabin, a different cabin, because the old one burnt down, but we, uh, we were up there for a few days, and after the first couple of days, I saw, one day I looked out the window, and I saw there's this little swing in the backyard, like a two-seater swing, and I looked out there, and I saw my daughter, Bree, out there, and we often go out and have tea together, or, you know, talks on our porch at home, or whatever, and I, we just hadn't talked for a while, we wanted to have a t- conversation with her, so we just went out there, and, and got them, got them this swing, you know, swing together, and we just talked. They had a great time for about 45 minutes an hour, just talked about life, what's going through our lives and stuff like that. Great time. And part of the conversation, she looked at me and she said, Dad, how are you and Mom doing these days? 
And I said, I think we're doing pretty well. Why? Why do you ask? He said, well, it seems like you've been picking on her the last couple of days. I said, you know, that's really interesting you'd say that because I was out on my prayer walk this morning and I was praying about that. I felt the same way. And we talked about why that might be or whatever. We discussed that together, whatever. But can I tell you something? I prayed about it that morning. I was aware. It was on my radar screen that I hadn't been treating Lynn as well as I should. It was on my radar screen. But can I tell you something? When my daughter pointed it out, it's like neon lights go around it. You know? I mean, she got my attention. It was, they, they were wounds of a friend. My daughter said, hey, you've been not treating mom the right way. You've just been a little irritable or whatever or picking at her or whatever, negative. And I was like, you're right. You're right. And see, we all need people in our lives that have the freedom to call us out. But it's, it's, just a, it's a part of growth. It's part of, see, sometimes we're so afraid to admit we're wrong because deep, in down, so we, deep inside we think, well, if I admit I'm wrong, then I'm like a bad person. Really? This is how it works. Let me tell you something. No, you're not. You're just growing like the rest of us. We just have a lot of room to grow, and we need people in our lives to call us out at times. So let me ask you, do you have people in your life that you've given permission? Hey, if you see something wrong with me, if you think I'm blown in an area, you think I need some help, you think, you think I'm making a stupid decision, I just want to give you permission. You, get, you can come into my life anytime and just tell me what you think. I, I would love to have it. It would be mark of a true friend. Would you do me that honor? Do you have someone like that in your life? Do you have some people? Here's another question. Let's just talk about defensiveness for a second. In your life, can your spouse talk to you about an issue that he or she is concerned about? Maybe it's inappropriate anger. Maybe it's uh, you're not engaged with the family, you're distracted. Maybe it's you're spending too much. Can your spouse bring up an issue and say, can we talk about this? I think it's an area you need to grow. Can your spouse do that in your life? If you can't, you're walking the path of the fool, not the wise person. Because our spouses can be great gifts of growth. Uh, How about this one? Um, let's say that a friend or a life group leader came to you and that everyone else knows this about you. You talk too much. Everyone knows it. And it really impacts your life. People don't want to be around you. You talk too much. But no one really has the guts to tell you. So could a life group leader or could a friend of yours say, you know what, I don't know if you've ever thought of it this way, but in the group, you know, we have a certain amount of time for everyone to share. And... Often you share first in every question and it's really not giving anyone else a chance to share. Can you receive that? Or do you get mad and stomp off? This is not the group for me. Uh, can a coworker come to you and say, you know what, your attitude in this project, I understand it's not your favorite thing, but it's really, it's really affecting the whole team. Can a friend come to you and say, hey, you know what, I'm concerned. I've talked to your wife and she's concerned, but I think you're drinking too much. This thing about it's just one beer after, it's really not. It's like, it's like four beers after dinner. It's five beers after, you're going through a six-pack a night. It's like, it's really, I don't think this is okay. Can someone come to you if they're a school teacher, you have children in school, can they come to you and say, you know what, we need to talk about your son. I, he's really being disruptive in the class, and he's just, you know, I don't know what to do. And instead of like defending it, well, it's your fault, you're, you know, it's your, can you, can you receive that? And say, well, let me check around with some other of my friends and see if they're seeing the same thing in other places, you see. See, the mark of a wise person is that they are not defensive. They are willing to listen. That doesn't mean that people are always right. Remember, we talked about this. They might have their own agendas. But 
There's an old saying, if one person calls you a donkey, ignore them. Two people call you a donkey, check the mirror. Three people call you a donkey, buy a saddle. Let's pray. Lord, we just uh, thank you for this incredible book. It's just so practical. I love this book, God. It just gives so much stuff here for us. And Father, we pray that we would be a people, that each of us would be a person that starts off, at least takes that first step today. We want to fear you. We want to just acknowledge you're God, we're not. You're smarter. We're tired of running our lives. We want to listen to you. Even when it's hard, it doesn't make sense. We are going to learn to obey. And then, Lord, we're going to seek you out in your word. We're not going to leave the instruction manual there on the, on the counter and go through life not figuring out how to, how to use our life. We're going we're gonna to dig deep into your word. We're going to seek it out and understand that we won't always get something right away. But over time, those ahas are going to come and we're going to grow. God, we want to be a people who listen to others where they have wise counsel or where they have a critique that we are be open to both because we understand that none of us is smart enough to figure out all of life on our own. We need each other. God, may you create at Rocky Peak a people of great wisdom that people will look here and say, well, the way that they run their lives, the way they raise their families, the way they do their marriages, the way they have, that's just a really wise place. If you want to learn how to do wisdom, go there. You'll learn. May you use us in that way. We pray this in your name. Amen. Just to let you know, uh, next weekend we'll continue the Proverbs series. Uh, Pastor Dave uh, Cox will be teaching, and uh, uh, it's a great topic. He's teaching on like work ethic, procrastination issues, and the workplace and stuff, and so really a hot topic. And then the next week, I'll be back the next week, but I won't be teaching. I'll be here in the service. In fact, next week we're going to try to do a satellite call during the service, so we're going to see if that works. But um, that, that first weekend I'm back, I will have just got back and jet lagged and so on. So I've asked a, a, a friend of mine who's one of the most amazing and gifted communicators I know to come uh, and speak to us that weekend. I'll be here to introduce him and so on. But just uh, make sure that uh, both those weekends are going to be just great. And so uh, I'll just be away from you one week and I'll be back the following weekend. So may the Lord bless you and, uh, and may you fear God in your life. You remember what Jesus said? He says, don't fear him, don't fear people that have the power to destroy your life and to kill your life. Fear him who has the power to cast your soul into hell. Whoa. Okay, Jesus, just lay it out there, you know? You know? But what's he saying? He's just telling us the the fact of life, that the most important wisdom decision we ever make is, are we going to take God seriously in our life? May this be a year, may this be a week that you really look at that in your life and if there's any area where you're just not taking God seriously, that instead of going the path of death, fear the Lord because it is the fountain of life and God wants to bless you with it.